I hope everybody had a good day today. Uh, Midweek services are something I really need a lot of the times because uh, you are literally in the middle of the week and the weeks can be tough sometimes. Um, The thing that I had on my mind tonight I think is important is it's not really geared for just the young people, but I think I've got the young people, which that's half of us here tonight, um, specifically in mind. Uh, Young people seem to be um, a little, a little more uh, vulnerable to uh, outside influences uh, from uh, your peers. Um, I know, I know that I was when I was younger. Um, as I've gotten older, uh, you know, the peer pressure is not um, as uh, dominating a factor maybe as it was when I was younger. It's still present, certainly, uh, but it seems like when you come through the teen years and and uh, you know those ages that there's just such a uh, desire to be accepted, to have friends, and, uh, and that's a time that you can find yourself uh, making a lot of decisions that can really affect you long term. So uh, this is not just for the young people, but I think it's uh, something that, that, that would benefit them. And I want to talk tonight about what the Bible says about a fool. Uh, the verse that comes to my mind is a verse that says, I think it's in Proverbs 17, where it says, let a bear robbed of her whelps or her cubs meet a man rather than a fool in his folly. And, you know, one of the things, if, if you're ever trying to describe how mad somebody was, sometimes you, you might say, boy, they were a mama bear. And you've always heard, you know, hey, there's a bear. Well, a bear is one thing, but a bear that has cubs is another thing. And, uh, and you can kind of relate that to human. I, uh, the maddest I probably have ever seen my mother is when somebody was, was getting on me for something. And, you know, that mama bear comes out in you, and, and you know, even though she's in small in stature, uh, I saw her, you know, get a fire up under her at times when somebody messed with her babies. You mamas can probably understand that sometimes. And, um, and so when you're out and about, one of the worst things you could run into camping or hiking is when you run into a bear that's got her cubs with her, and she thinks that you are going to endanger those cubs. And, but the Bible says you would rather run into that scenario and deal with that grizzly bear that thinks you're going to hurt her cubs than to run into a foolish man. And so it's the Bible, especially the book of Proverbs, I mean, it is very, very clear and lays out very well um, everything that we really need to know about a fool and so as I studied through there some, I broke it down into, and, and you can do it you know, in other ways, I'm sure, but for me, I broke it down into three different categories that all the verses about a fool kind of, to me, fell into one of these three, one of these three categories. Uh, one of the categories was just their overall attitude. Another category was the end result of a fool's actions. And the third category was the effect that a fool has on the company that he is keeping. And certainly we want to be, we we don't want to be a fool. Fools come in uh, all shapes and sizes. They come from all uh, financial backgrounds. They, you know, they're, they're all up and down the social ladder, you know, fools, that they come in, you know. There's there's no end to what they can look like or be like. I see one in the mirror a lot off, a lot more often than I would like to. When I read through the Bible, I was like, man, that's me, you know. So, 
Fools are everywhere. You can't look at a guy and say, well, there's a well-dressed man. He's very articulate. You know, he seems to be smart. He's well-educated. Uh, he's, you know, he, he, he made a 36 on his ACT. That doesn't mean he's not a, a fool by biblical standards. And so the danger of a fool is more dangerous than a mama bear that has, that has had her cubs taken from her. So don't take this lightly. Okay, what do you think a mama bear would do to you if you ran up and grabbed her cubs and snatched them away? She is going, have you ever seen this, the, the, the documentaries and the stories about somebody that's been mauled by a bear? It is brutal. I mean, a bear just rips you to shreds and a fool will do worse than that to you. Now, so their overall attitude, the end result of their actions and the effect that they have on their company. So tonight, I just wanted to look at their overall attitude. And this, this is why, um, because it is important that you are able to identify a fool. And as you're in school, some of you are going off to college or maybe in the workplace or really, uh, you know, if, if your job, you know, Brother Jim does a lot of hiring for his company. I have to hire for, for, for my business. We need to know what a fool looks like. Okay, because I don't want a, uh, something worse than a grizzly bear on my hands. And so I want to look tonight at their over, overall attitude. And I thought about, when we were thinking about how to identify them, I thought about the uh, account in Judges. And this account has always, I don't know, it's always been interesting to me. And you can read about this sometime if you want to in Judges 12, but I'll give you the, I'll give you the gist of it here and read some of this to you. And this is a time when two of the tribes of Israel were uh, some, well not the tribes of Israel, two camps of Israel were somewhat against each other. And in Judges 12, it says this, and the men of Ephraim gathered themselves together and went northward and said unto Jephthah, wherefore passed thou over to fight against the children of Ammon and did, didst not call us to go with thee? We will burn thine house upon thee with fire. So one camp comes to another camp and says, hey, I heard you went over here and had a big old fight. Why didn't you ask us to go help you? Now I'm going to burn your place down. I mean, it's, it, this is a very childish interaction here. But that's what they say. And Jephthah said unto them, I and my people were at great strife with the children of Ammon. And when I called you, ye delivered me not out of their hands. So apparently they have had some, you know, some run-ins with Ammon before. And they did call on Ephraim, and Ephraim didn't come. They said, well, we're not going to call on you again. You didn't come the first time. So they don't call on the second time, and they get mad because they didn't call on You ever had people like that? You just can't make them happy. You know? You just can't make them happy. And which, you'll see how this ends up here. And it says, And when I saw that you delivered me not, I put my life in my hands and passed over against the children of Ammon, and the Lord delivered them into my hand. Wherefore then are ye come up me unto me this day to fight against me? Like, are you crazy? What are you talking about? I mean, I've dealt with people exactly like this. You cannot satisfy them. I, don't, I call you, you don't come. I call you, I, I mean, I, I call you, you don't come. I don't call you, you get mad because I don't call you. Now you're threatening to burn my house down. I can't satisfy you. And it says, Then Jephthah gathered together all the men of Gilead and fought with Ephraim. They, they called down for a fight, and, and so Jephthah says, Let's go. 
And the men of Gilead smote Ephraim because they said, Ye Gileadites are fugitives of Ephraim among the Ephraimites and among the Manassites. And the Gileadites took the passages of Jordan before the Ephraimites, and it was so that when those Ephraimites, which were escaped, all right, let me lay this, all right, so Ephraim is the person here or the camp that cannot be made happy. And they said, hey, we're going to come up and fight against the camp of Jephthah. And so they do. And the camp of, of Jephthah, they whip them and they send them running and fleeing. Now, the Gileadites are helping Jephthah, the camp of, of Jephthah. So that there are some Ephraimites that are fleeing. They're trying to escape. But the Gileadites are ahead of them. And it said, you know, so that when those Ephraimites which were escaped said, let me go over. All right, that's a river. So we've got a river here. And these Ephraimites that have escaped come up to this river and trying to act like they're not Ephraimites. Are you with me? They're trying, you know, you see the people who whistle like, you know, came to the river. Oh, look at all these Gileadites. I need to get across the river. And it says, they were escaped and said, let me go over the river that the men of Gilead, Gilead said unto them, art thou an Ephraimite? And they would say, no, absolutely not. I'm not an Ephraimite. I'm not the guys you were just fighting against. I'm just a, a lonely traveler. Then they said unto them, okay, say now Shiboleth. And he said, or the Ephraimite said, Siboleth. For he could not frame to pronounce it right. Are you with me? That's a good one right there. It says, Then they took him and slew him at the passages of Jordan, and there fell at that time of the Ephraimites 40 and 2,000. So here you have a situation where the enemy is standing right in front of them. Men that were just trying to kill them. And they need to be able to identify that. Are you with me? They need to be able to recognize what is standing in front of them. And the way they did it, I always think about, uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know if this is politically correct, Brother Tim, so I don't, you know, but you know in the movie The Christmas Story, where the little guy is going to shoot his eye out? You remember that? And at the end of The Christmas Story, uh, they can't have Christmas dinner, so they got to go like to the Chinese restaurant, and they're, they're singing uh, Fa La 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 but they can't frame their mouth to pronounce it, so it's fra-ra-ra-ra-ra. Are you with me? That's probably where they got this from. These Ephraimites could not say Shilobeth. They couldn't pronounce the sh sound, so they pronounced it Silobeth, and that identified them as the enemy. When we're talking about a fool, we have got to have ways to identify them. Otherwise, we are going to find ourselves entangled with them and intertwined in their lives. So it's important that we understand just the overall attitude. So I've got three things here, and I probably can't get to, to all of these three things. I might just blow through them and give you something to go study. Well, one of the characteristics of the overall attitude of a fool is that, and again, what I did here is I just looked at all the verses that dealt with a fool. Okay, and then all, and I, I put them in different categories. And then among the categories of the overall, in the category of the overall attitude, I broke that down into three categories. 
And a lot of the verses that discuss the overall attitude will prove the point that a fool is right in his own eyes. Okay? And <clears throat> what that means is really that a fool thinks he has a better way than God's way. Okay? He has uh, a little bit of issue with authority. Now listen, and I want to get to a few examples here, and I'm going to be real, real clear with you tonight. Okay? And I hope it doesn't hurt your feelings. I hope it convicts you. Uh, if you need convicting, but I want to I want to use some very clear examples to paint these pictures of a fool. Now we've all been fools at one time or another. So I'm not sitting up here saying that I I have not dealt with some of this in my life before. But a fool is right in his own eyes, and he thinks he's just got a better way of doing it. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're not children of God. The person that really scares me, okay? The person that scares me. Now listen, is not the atheistic, proud, blatant homosexual. That is not the person that unsettles me. The person that makes me feel unsettled is the Bible-toting, Christ-professing homosexual. That's the one that you need to be afraid of, okay? That's the dangerous, that's the more dangerous one, all right? And so a lot of times you will find people that will profess Christ, yet they think they've just got a little better way. Are you with me? They're right in their own eyes. A good example of that, I thought about, um, do you remember in 1 Samuel, uh, I think it's the 15th chapter where um, the Lord tells King Saul that he needs to go into the camp of the Amalekites and completely wipe them out. And he says, and don't take anything. When you wipe them out, this is total, utter destruction. Don't wipe them out. And so King Saul goes into there and he wreaks great havoc on the Amalekites, but he brings back uh, Agag, the king. Uh, he brings back the best of the sheep and the best of the oxen, if you remember that. Now, what did God tell him to do? Destroy it all and don't take anything with you. But what did Saul say? I've got a little better way to do this. I'm not going to totally defy you, Lord. I'm going to, I mean, 85%, Lord, I'm going to do what you say, 85%. But this 15%, I think I got a little better way. And Saul brings those back and says, oh, we brought these back to sacrifice unto you. I really thought that was a better plan. Are you with me? What does the Bible call that? That's a fool. That's a fool. And do you think that that instance cost Saul something Read the Bible. His idea of I've got a little better way than what the Lord said cost him dearly. And it'll cost you and me dearly if we do it that way. Now, <clears throat> let me go back to the example of the homosexual. And, and let me say this about the, home, the sin of homosexuality. The Bible is very clear on what that is and whether or not that's a sin, and it is. Uh, there may be people that struggle with that, 
that fight against that and continue to pursue the Lord. And to those people, I applaud them. And I will support them and I will help them. But when somebody says, I've got 85%, 90, 95% of what the Lord wants me to do. I'm doing that to the best of my ability. But when it comes to love and when it comes to uh, looking for or falling in love, I've just got a little better way. I want you to think about that. Does that relate to King Saul? Sure. We were sitting in a restaurant the other night. And again, y'all may never ask me to preach again, but I'm just I'm going I'm to preach. We were sitting in a restaurant the other night and the waitress comes up and I don't remember exactly what the exchange was, but um, she was talking about her fiance and it was very open and very clear that they were living together and we've got the kids at the table. She made, I mean, she never even paused and talking about her and her fiance living together. And what broke my heart about that was she was so open with that because 99% of the people are good with that. And it never crossed her mind that maybe these are God-fearing Christians sitting in front of me that don't agree with that. Listen, you can, you can go kid somebody else about living together. I know what happens when you live together. I'm not a fool in that sense. I know what's going on. But the number of people out there that are raising their hands in worship, praising God, because 90% of my life I'm all about God, but in this one little area, I've got a little better way than God. The Bible calls that a fool. Okay? Do you know that the, the, the instances that I have seen personally of a very young woman Finding a boyfriend, very shortly getting pregnant, the boyfriend is gone, and she's there to raise that baby by herself, or maybe with the help of grandparents. Do you know why those things happen a lot of the times? Is because they thought they had a better way. They 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 are they have a righteousness in their own eyes that they say, Yeah, I like some of the things that God has said. But on these other things, I think I want to bring the sheep and the oxen back with me. And it's like Brother Lonnie Mazingo said, we've all heard the lowing of the sheep before. We've all heard those things. We've all done some of these things. But you can't take some of what God says and mix it with what you, you can't improve on it. This is God's way. And a fool says, my way is right in my own eyes. The second characteristic to look for is that the Bible says that a fool walks in darkness. What does that mean? That means that if you're in the dark, complete, utter darkness, what can you not see? What's out in front of you, correct? Somebody that's walking in darkness is a right now type of person, an impulsive type of person that does not think about the consequences of what they are doing. That's a lack of wisdom. Wisdom is the ability and the skill to see how what you are doing now uh, projects out into your future. That's what wisdom is. 
But the Bible says a fool is a right now type of person. They're impulsive and they're going to do it and they're not thinking long term. Now, obviously, I think sometimes you think about Samson when you read through the Bible that you just want to sit down in Samson and say, how did you think this was going to play out? I mean, really, like Samson, when you tied these, these, the fire to these foxes, what did you think was going to happen? Did you think they were all just going to throw their hands up and give up? What did you think when you're there with Delilah and she continues to betray you to try to uh, get you captured by the what did What were you thinking? He wasn't thinking. He was thinking about right now. And brothers and sisters, if I could, if I just had a wand and I could just impart to you something, I would impart to us all a heaping measure of wisdom. Because if you read, you know, I read the other day, and this is another sermon for another time, and I sure don't have time to talk about it now, but you know in Proverbs, the seventh chapter, Brother Tim, you'll probably like this. You, you can preach it Sunday. Proverbs, the seventh chapter, is, the, is the, um, the chapter about the strange woman. Yeah, if y'all been here very long, y'all know what we're talking about. The, the woman that, that lures the young man in and takes him and she takes him into her bed and the Bible describes it as he has a dart struck through his liver. He's a dead man walking and he doesn't even know it. But if you read Proverbs, the eighth chapter, you see almost a, and I'm not saying exact, but a very, very similar situation. But the woman that is calling out's name is wisdom. And wisdom is calling to the people. Wisdom is saying, come in unto me. You ought to read that sometime. Why does wisdom cry out saying, come into me? Because it says, if you will take me, you will find life. Because I have the ability to help you see what you do now and how it affects your future. Because only the fool says, I'm worried about now. Now, you think about, um, I also think about Achan in the Bible and Judges, uh, the first part of Judges, where uh, Achan goes into um, Jericho when the Israelites take over Jericho and they're instructed not to bring anything out, but he brings out the, the, the good Babylonian garments and he, he hides them and it ends up costing him and his family his life. And you want to say, Achan, what did you think was going to happen? When you pick these things up, did you stop and say, now what happens if I get caught? Now listen, that's not the right question to answer, to ask. But if you can't come up with any other question to ask yourself before you break some sort of law, ask yourself that. What's going to happen if I get caught? Okay? Maybe that will snap us all out of a right now mentality. But Achan looked down and he saw those and he was in that moment and that's all he was thinking about. And he took them. And because of it, his family and he died at the hands of the Israelites. Now, a fool walks in darkness. Do you stop and think sometimes about where you are? And how that might affect what's on down the road for you? Do you stop and think about who you are hanging out with and how that might affect what's on down the road or what you're watching or what you're listening to? Or what about this? How about who you're dating, young people? Have you ever stopped and thought, 
on down the road. Listen, and, and, I, and I, I'll tell my kids this, and I'll say this to you guys too. When you are dating somebody, you are looking for a spouse, okay? To just go out and have a good time with somebody of the opposite sex is usually only going to give you trouble. You date somebody because you're looking for a spouse. And the moment, the moment that you realize this is not the type of spouse I want, you need to walk away and move on and look for the next one. But do you think about how you do things now and how it affects your future? Do you want, you know how many times somebody did not look down the road in their dating life? They knew this person is, I don't want to really marry this person. And they knew that, but they never looked at how, how is it going to end up if I just keep on hanging around them and keep on hanging around them? Well, the next thing you know, for the sake of convenience or whatever, you end up marrying them. Because you never stopped back here and looked down the road and said, what would happen if I let my heart get so intertwined with this person that I ended up marrying them? No, and I should have, I should have never married them. That's called walking in darkness. The fool looks at right now. Okay, so folks, young people, if you're out and about with somebody and they say to you, hey, let's go over here and do this. You need to ask yourself, what's going to be the long-term effect of going over there and doing that? Are you with me? You think, oh, brother, look, that's so silly and stupid. If you just apply that, I can save you a world of trouble. Hey, let's just go over here. Let's just go over to that party. I don't want to go, oh, let's just go over to that party and just, let's just go in and, and tell everybody, hey. Let's just go in and tell everybody, hey. All right? You go into that party. Somebody sees you. Somebody thinks you're attractive. Somebody slips something into your drink. Somebody takes you into a back bedroom, and down we go. Now, I'm not, there's a time you need to be a little bit of a negative thinker. I, I'm, it comes real easy for me, Okay? <laughs> comes easy for me but sometimes you need to be a little bit of a negative thinker how is how could this possibly play out do you know if you were to look up the number of teenage murders teenage rapes teenage drug abuse the first time that people experimented with drugs or alcohol or anything like that if you go back and you could somehow study all of those things and look for a common denominator what did all of those things have in common it is going to be they were the wrong people in the wrong place almost without fail so when somebody says hey let's go over there you need to stop and think what good or godly thing can come from me going over there Hey, let's go watch this. What good and godly thing can come out of me watching that or listening to that? Somebody says, oh, you're beautiful. I want to go on a date. Y'all was talking to somebody the other day, and they were telling me they were dating somebody. I said, they go to church? And I'm like, I don't know. I said, you don't know? How do you not know they don't go to church? Like, isn't that one of the first few things you want to find out about somebody? Is Are they even involved in church? That's walking in darkness. Okay, let me give you the third thing here. The overall attitude of a fool, they're right in their own eyes, they walk in darkness, and they trust in their own heart. Now, that means that they are not interested in instruction. Now, 
I say this a little jokingly, but if you go start in the first chapter of Proverbs and you begin reading through Proverbs, when I read through it, I almost get tired of reading about how important listening to instruction is. I mean, it is, it seems like it's every other verse. Listen to the instruction. Listen to your father's instruction. Listen to your mother's instructions. Instruction, instruction, instruction. You're talking about beating a dead horse. Why? Because the Lord is trying to tell us that you do not need to trust in your own heart. That you need to have a mind to seek divine guidance. And listen, if you're trying to juggle whether or not a situation is worthy for seeking divine guidance, I urge you to err on the side of it is worthy and important enough. Okay? If you're driving, now look, if you are driving down the road with your friend and you're trying to figure out where to eat and you need to pull over and pray with each other about where to go eat, that's a little silly. But if that's what you got to do, do it. Do that. Seek divine guidance. My goodness, where you eat is not that terribly important. But who your friends are. Have you ever prayed? Lord, is this? Because listen, the Bible says, the Bible tells us there are certain types of people we are not to be around. Now, this deal about, you know, I understand that God is love and, and, and huggy huggy and all that fun stuff. I understand all that. And I'm not talking about mean, being mean and hateful. But the Bible is clear that an angry man is a man the Bible says have nothing to do with him. Why? It says unless thou learn his ways and it becomes a snare to your soul. You become like the people that you hang around. So the fool trusts in his own heart and he is not interested in instruction or divine guidance. I like this... uh, this, the way this is worded when it comes to people not willing to receive instruction. You can find this in Isaiah, the 30th chapter. It says, Woe to the rebellious children, saith the Lord, that take counsel, but not of me, and that cover with a covering, but not of my spirit, that they may add sin to sin, that walk to go down into Egypt and have not asked at my mouth to strengthen themselves in the strength of Pharaoh and to trust in the shadow of Egypt. That's pretty powerful right there. The Bible says, uh, another good sermon one day would be go through some of the woes. That is not something that, you know, the way we use woe, we're like, whoa, look at that. That's not that kind of woe. A woe is something to be dreaded in the Bible. It's W-O-E. When the Lord says, woe to you, woe to you, woe to you, to me, that means fasten your seatbelt. This is not going to end well. And he says, woe to you that are rebellious and you seek counsel, but you do not seek it from me, meaning the Lord. And you find a situation like that in Joshua, the ninth chapter. Again, there's, I mean, uh, the, there's so much clever things in the Bible. And I, I think it was Brother Sonny one time, or no, no, it wasn't him. I don't remember who it was. Like, you don't need a soap opera to watch. The Bible is full of incredible stories. Incredible stories. In Joshua, the ninth chapter, uh, the Israelites have destroyed, uh, destroyed Jericho. They've destroyed the city of Ai. And word has begun to spread among the other nations out there that there are some bad folks coming. 
And by bad, I mean they are powerful. The Lord is with them. They are destroying uh, cities like Jericho that have a huge wall that we never thought would be destroyed. And you need to get ready. You need to sharpen your swords and get ready because they are coming and they are the team to beat. And there is a very small company in a place called Gibeon. And they hear about what all Israel is doing. And so they come up with this plan to um, take some of the men and they, the men go and they get the rattiest clothes they can find. They get the rattiest shoes they can find. They get moldy bread and they get wine and uh, they get old wine in bottles, which back then they kept it in skins and you could tell if it was old or new wine. And so they get all this stuff and they, they make themselves look dirty and they go a hop, skip, and a jump over to um, where Israel is. Remember, Israel's coming into the promised land. It's not like they go to Google Maps and know where everything's at. And so these people are from a nation called Gibeon, and they do this, and they come to the Israelites, and when they come in, um, even though they have not traveled them all that far, it says, let's see if I can find, um, it says... They, they did work willily. That's a good Bible word, willily. And went and made as they had been ambassadors and took old sacks upon their asses and wine bottles, old and rent and bound up and old shoes and clouded upon, uh, clouded upon their feet and old garments upon them and all the bread of their provisions was dry and moldy. And they go to Joshua in the camp of Gilgal and they said unto him, we become from a far country now, therefore, make ye a league with us. And the men of Israel said unto the, to the Hivites, Peradventure, or by chance ye dwell among us, how shall we make a league with you? And they said unto Joshua, We are thy servants. And Joshua said unto them, Who are ye, and from which ye come? And they said, they said unto him, From a very far country. Now remember, they're just down the street. It says, From a very far country thy servants are come because of the name of the Lord thy God. For we have heard the fame of him and all that he did in Egypt and all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites that were beyond Jordan, to Sion, king of Heshbon, and to Og, king of Bashan, which was at Ashtaroth. Wherefore, our, el our elders and all the inhabitants of our country spake to us, saying, Take victuals with you for your journey and go meet with them. And say unto them, We are your servants and make a league with us. <laughs> Notice this. This our bread... Now, they just took it out. It was moldy. They were about to throw it to the pigs. But they bring it with them. They say, this is our bread. We took hot, hot for our provisions. It was right out of the oven, out of our houses on the day we came forth to go unto you. But now, behold, it's dry and it's moldy. And these bottles of wine which we filled were new. And behold, they be rent. And these our garments and shoes are become old by reason of the very long journey. We would call that hogwash. They're trying to do it because they don't want to be the next in line. And notice this next verse. And it says, And the men took of their victuals and asked not counsel at the mouth of the Lord. Why? Because they trusted in their own hearts to make the right decision. Oh, look at these poor fellows in here. Look at those sad shoes and your moldy bread and your old wine and your garments. Oh, come on in. Let's love on you. But they never inquired of the Lord. 
And if you'll read through the rest of the Bible. Now, they, these men were obviously clearly men of their word. When Joshua said, we'll make a league with you. And very shortly after that, they figure out what the Gibeonites had done. And Joshua still honored his word. Props to him for that. But you should have inquired of the Lord. Because if you read through the rest of the Bible, them having a league with the people of Gibeon only ever brought them trouble. And if you read on over in the book of Samuel, one of the reasons, do you remember when Rehoboam and Jeroboam are kind of at each other? On over and we start to see the nation, uh, the nation of Israel divide. One of the reasons the Bible tells us is that there were... Um, there was a, a, a mass of people called the Gibeonites and they separated just because of location the northern part of Israel and the southern part of Israel. And so those Gibeonites being in the camp and multiplying and multiplying and sticking together, it caused some sort of a you know, geographical division between them where they were not really neighbors anymore. They didn't feel a closeness anymore and it all goes back to they did not ask counsel of the Lord because they figured, I got this. I'll trust in my own heart. So listen, young people, I could talk to you months upon months upon months about what a fool is, but you need to leave out of here tonight knowing, number one, you'd rather meet a grizzly bear that, didn't have, that had her cubs taken away from her. You need to be able to recognize a fool when you see one or hear one, just like um, the Gileadites did when the Ephraimites came to cross over. You need to know when you're standing in front of somebody that really will ultimately bring you harm. You need to know that they will think that they are right in his own eyes, and if somebody that you're an acquaintance with starts saying, yeah, I believe a lot of that Bible, but I just think love is love, you need to take a step back and say, they think they've got a better way than God. When you see somebody that never thinks about the consequences of what they're doing, you're standing in the presence of a fool. And I encourage you to talk to them, but if they won't listen and they won't heed any instruction, Knock the dust off your feet and move on. You need to understand that a fool is going to trust in his own heart. And, and that's probably the one that gets me the most for my own self is how many times my silly cotton-picking mind tries to figure it out my own when I should have just sat down and gone to the Lord in prayer. Certainly, when you go into dating, marriage, and Brother Tim preached a sermon years ago about where to live, where to work, where to worship, who to marry. I think that was the four. You need to bathe all those things in prayer because the fool will not do that. I encourage you also, young people, to go through the book of Proverbs, get you a notepad, and go through there. And every time you come to a verse that describes some sort of the action of a fool, write that verse down. And study on it because we just, went over, uh, we just went over their overall attitude. When you get into the effect they have on their company, they'll take you down with them. If, if that ship sinks, you go down with the ship. And also the end result of their actions, and it, it, I, you know the end result, it never works out. It never works out. It is always sorrow 
and heartache is the end reaction, uh, the end the end of the actions of a fool. So I hope that that's been beneficial to you, uh, and I hope some of you young people listen to it and take heed. And maybe you're even thinking now, uh, maybe about some people in your life that uh, have some of the characteristics of a fool, or maybe you think about your own life and you think, hey, I've done some of these things because I have. I have done some of these things. And if you're honest, y'all probably done some of them too. And it never ended well. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise. Okay? That's the enemy of the foolish is the wise. So if you want wisdom, walk with, I don't have the magic wand to give it to you, but if you'll walk with wise men, that's how you find wisdom.